0: There's still the patriarch sitting in his his office and the kids are in the business and the private equity has begun to come into this space, but it still is heavily traditional businesses. And they've always done things the way they've always done things and they've been very successful. It's hard to get process change in that culture. It just takes a lot of work.
1: Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people.
2: Of the WBS podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm Elevate IQ. Epicor Eclipse has a more loyal community than crypto and metaverse. But why is that? Based on the amount of technological innovation happening, you would guess that any school grad might be able to write an ERP software, right? So then, why do technologies such as mainframe, AS400, and Apicore Acliffs still exist? Is it really because change is hard? Well, change is hard for whom? For companies that are using it for, or companies that are selling it? Or is it because customers are unwilling to change because of their strong affinity with the technology or product? If so, why should we blame the companies trying to sell and support what customers are willing to buy. Epicore Eclipse has a loyal community for a reason, but what are those reasons? In today's episode, we invited a panel of industry experts for a live discussion on LinkedIn to conduct an independent review of Epicore Eclipse's capabilities. We covered many grounds, including their strengths in HVAC, plumbing, and trade contracting industries. Finally, we discussed why companies are so loyal to this solution, despite it being a legacy solution. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. And if you're joining for the first time, this is part of our industry series, for which we meet every Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We pick one vendor or solution that we review independently. And uh, for today, we have a pretty interesting solution. It's, been legacy. it's called uh, Apicor Eclipse. And we are going to have a lot of fun discussing that. Before we do that, we are going to start with everybody's intros. I am going to start with my intro. If you don't know me, I am Sam Gupta, principal at Elevate IQ. Elevate IQ is the independent ERP and digital transformation concepting firm. I've been in the ERP space for roughly 20 years. And Apicore Eclipse is, is a very interesting solution. So we are going to have a lot of fun discussing that. On that note, I am going to move to Phil for his intro. (laughs) Hi, everybody.
0: Phil Kerper, Managing Director of Ringling Business Solutions. We help executive leadership teams optimize business success by aligning their digital transformation investments with their core business strategies. And ERP is one of the things we help a lot of clients with. So I'm looking forward to this
2: one very much, Sam. Nice to be here. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Phil. Dave, can I ask you to introduce yourself next?
3: Sure. Thanks, Sam. Hi, everybody. My name is Dave Chrysler, and I own an operations consulting business working with leaders in the manufacturing space to help them achieve operational excellence and come to you with more than 20 years in operations management. Management, PL responsibility, and including a couple of ERP implementations. So excited to be here with everybody. Thanks for having me.
2: Amazing. Thank you much for being here, Dave. Andy, can I ask you to
3: introduce yourself next?
4: Absolutely, Sam. Thanks for having me. As I've been called, I am the Grizzled Vet. I've uh, been, <laughs> been in ERP software for manufacturing companies for four decades, if you can believe it. I know I had hair at one time. <laughs> I've worked all over the United States and all over Canada. I work with over a thousand manufacturers, and uh, in fact, I'm to the point in my life where I, you know, I still do work with manufacturers on with ERPs, but I've written a book on how to evaluate ERP systems, how to know which one is the right one for you uh, before you buy. Uh, I'm hoping that uh, some of my efforts the uh, ERP dissatisfaction percentage decrease a little bit. Anyways, thank you so much.
2: Over to you, Sam. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for being here, uh, Andy. And if you're in the audience and joining for the first time, make sure you guys are going to post your comments and questions. Our panelists are going to review them during the show. We typically try to address them during the show. If you're not out of time, then we will make sure that you answer. On. on that note, I am going to start with the quick briefing. But before we do that, we are going to start with a little refresh about the overall positioning of Epicor as the winter and then we will talk about where Epicor eclipse fits in their portfolio so overarching position as we have discussed in a lot of different sessions and i believe and dave Phil, and remind me i think we have already reviewed at least the Epicor kinetic we have reviewed uh profit 21 so this is probably the fourth session that we are doing on Apicor. So overarching strategy from Apicor's perspective is they like to package um, as part of uh, the solution the way Infor is going to do. So their strategy is going to be very purpose-built, very micro-vertical focused. Uh, That's how they like to approach their market. The majority of the solutions that they have they are going to be positioned for the specific industry as well as for the target market but the overall they try to compete in that smb market they are not really positioned the large market so in their portfolio they have four solutions kinetic is their flagship solution which is targeted for slightly more manufacturing driven organization than they have profit 21 now if you look at their cloud strategy especially if you pay attention to the the way their customer journeys are structured at this point of time on their site. You are probably not going to find the mention of Apicor Eclipse anywhere else, at least at least in the cloud path, the cloud path. And, you know, based on the comment that we have received in the media so far, we don't know if they are going to have the cloud strategy for Apicor Eclipse, but they are still selling it. OK, so they still sell it. And I don't know if this is going to be modernized. Uh, as the the cloud native the way the kinetic as well as the profit 21 platforms have been modernized so it's very debatable at this point of time where apico eclipse stands overall in their technology strategy but due to the solution being very focused for a specific industry they are still commercializing it and i don't know if they are going to have any sort of sunset date for Apicode. now this is primarily targeted for the electrical distributors, the HVAC distributors. Those are the patches. Those are going to be extremely, extremely unique. The way these industries and it's almost shocking. Okay, and the reason why it is shocking is because obviously this is a very legacy. If you look at the the underlying technology, it's from pre-sequel era. Can you believe that? Okay, that's almost like mainframe. We are competing with the likes of the AS4. Obviously, did, we did have you say the,
4: pre-sequel. Yeah. Holy cow, what database is it used, Sam?
2: Yeah, we are going to be discussing that. We are going to be covering during the technology part, but they are using IBM Informix and it's really primitive way of doing the database. I mean, when we didn't have SQL, when we didn't have database, at that time, we were literally writing in file, and then we had to literally create the CSV, the way the database was structured. So obviously, when you are going to do that, you are going to have all of those issues. And that's probably the reason why we created, created SQL, Okay, because those databases didn't really work. If we could create the enterprise application in the form of a spreadsheet, then probably we don't need the databases. right? But at that time, we didn't have any options because technologies were not advanced enough. To be able to process the amount of workload that database typically requires sql driven databases typically require and that's the reason why we had that so we are going to cover all of that but you know that's very mainframe way of doing things Um, you know you are going to be doing very basic programming to be able to accomplish even easy tasks and easy correlation between two different files and two different records of the database so we are going to look at look at that um but so the technologies is really uh, outdated overall the way the technology is built the most shocking part that i typically find is the way these guys have created an ui on top of that legacy platform so if you look at uh, solutions like as400 at least in the case of your as400 you sort of know that you are using as and the reason why you know that because you are going to be using green screen and you are going to feel a little uncomfortable when, when you are going to be using that but EpiCore is far more creative So what they have done is they have created an UI on top of ES400. So underlying database nobody really knows how bad it is to be honest. Okay, and in the case of ERP, and I have been big proponent of uh, you know having that relational database as part of your ERP because the transactional integrity that you are going to be needing for ERP is just enormous. I mean, see, you just need that control. In case of your financial application otherwise you are going to get a lot of issues and you don't even know why you are getting those and those are really going to be the limitations of the technology now the reason why Apicore eclipse works in the industries where it is positioned is because these industries require very unique functionality and none of these solutions in the market even today can you believe okay none of them have The functionality that these companies require. And that's probably the reason why Apicore Eclipse is as successful as any other, uh, you know, Apicore products. In fact, sometimes they have far more loyalty for the Apicore Eclipse product than products such as your Profit21 or Kinetic or any other product uh, that we have in the market. So I am actually going to pause there and I'll take some commentary from you guys based on. Uh, if you guys have done any sort of research or if you have any with the product. So I'll say
0: this, Sam, I, I am uh, uh, familiar with the HVAC solution uh, market segment, and I, I agree it it is, it it is very specific types of use. And a lot of those guys. There's a couple large ones that Epicor names as as uh, customers. Johnstone, for example, is a national HVAC distributor, a very big company. And and a lot of these companies, they do they have in-house highly customized platforms that they've used for years as they've grown. And it's a real problem. It's a real problem. There's a lot of uh, acquisition going on. There's consolidation going on in that marketplace. And the legacy software programs is a real challenge for these guys. And I I looked at this, and like you say, it's so legacy. It's very cool how specific it is, and we'll get into that as we go. But it's so legacy. I wonder if there's aren't a lot of people that are kind of caught.
2: Yeah, I agree. Go ahead. Yeah,
3: that was going to be kind of around my question, Phil. I mean, to that point, right? Like, Sam, can you talk about there has to be an end of life that's coming with the underlying, you know, database structure. And then I'm curious, you know, on top of that, because you had mentioned that UI layer sitting on top of that and kind of hiding that. But that has to be Im- impacting the performance quite a bit, doesn't it?
2: So depending upon how you look at it, right? So it's not really the core that can be blamed here, to be honest, for using the underlying technology. If the customers are not really willing to move from the solution and most likely they don't really have any options in the market, I don't know who to blame, to be honest. Okay. Well, and you said also you said,
4: Sam, the customers are very loyal to this product, so there's got to be some kind of a functionality monopoly that they're not going to find elsewhere regarding the tech.
2: Exactly, and this is where I guess you know if you look at the strategy of companies such as Infor, App Team as well as Epic Work, Okay, so they like to get into these ecosystems, and those ecosystems are extremely powerful because they require very deep functionality. To be able to work in those ecosystems so the way phil mentioned in that ecosystem similar to what we have seen let's say in case of plex plex has very deep functionality for toyota ecosystem um, you know iqms has uh, and in LN has very deep functionality for the honda ecosystem uh, ifs has very deep functionality for mro and airline so these ecosystems are extremely powerful the way they operate because they are sort of it's not you know unionized But the way they operate, they are going to be very guarded in the way they work overall. You know, they are going to have their own trade shows. You go to their trade shows. You sort of sponsor. So it it becomes very, 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 very guarded ecosystem. And it's very hard for companies to break into those ecosystem and break these barriers. And again, the other reason is that, let's say if you look at companies like SAP, Microsoft, for them, the market is not compelling enough to be, okay, it's not large enough. And that's why they are not probably going after these markets to be developed, to be able to develop the functionality that these companies are going to require. So for example, let's say if you go for some of the VAR solutions, they are going to probably have IP, but the IP is not going to be as deep as what you are going to find with Apico. So again, it's very tricky. Uh, You know, hopefully one of these days, one of the vendors is probably going to replace this solution. But as of today, Uh, you know, the solution is still very powerful
0: for those Yeah, And and just to to give an example of the functionality that's specific, a wholesale distributor, the margins are very tight and they're managing their inventory turns very carefully. So the, the asset allocation is super critical. On the other side of that, they need to have fill rates that are very high and they need to have availability of product that's almost instantaneous. So let's say you're a wholesale distributor with a corporate headquarters and let's say you got 40, 50 stores, which are their storefronts, and each of those is also a DC, you need to be able to manage inventory so that's in the right place at the right time, whether it's coming directly from the manufacturer or whether you're cross shipping it or whether you're delivering it from a different spot. And that all needs to be managed at a tight budget. That functionality is difficult. That, That is a very complex model to try to put together in an ERP
2: package. So Phil, that's a great point, but you are probably going to find that functionality in a lot of different vanilla solutions. Okay, if you look at any other distribution solutions, they would probably have that. Where you find the the trick with these ecosystem specific functionality is going to be, for example, let's say if you look at the plumbing, electrical, space. Okay, they are going to have very specific codes for their parts and catalogs okay and as these associations are changing those codes that need to be integrated and reflected in the so what these guys have done is when you are going to be entering your part number you know the part number has to be aligned with how association is uh, publishing the 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 code for the electrical distribution as well as for the each so that's where the real trick is now that specific functionality is not going to be there in your vanilla erp system so if you look at the core distribution functionality, core planning functionality, that most of the ERP systems are going to have. But when you look at the very specific collaboration between these associations and how they are publishing the codes and the compliance and the regulatory issues, that's where the real trick is in most ERP systems. And Apicore Eclipse is very tightly integrated with these associations the way it is structured. And that's why they are able to provide a lot of this functionality out of the box that you are not going to find in any other sort
0: yeah, I'm. I'm going to say I. I yours is deeper that your is going to be more rare to find that, right? But I will say even advanced warehouse management systems with this type of complexity and this type of velocity are would this this has this has years of developing that type of functionality. Yeah, completely agree.
2: Uh, any other comments, guys? Um, okay, so I'm actually going to move to the slides. So here is a little bit of history about eclipse solutions so this is uh it says the solution is positioned for electrical hvac plumbing and P V F industries and those are very controlled by associations if you go in those industries those are also controlled by those electrical codes that the way your certification process works the way your training process works uh, you know the three training i'm talking about uh, it's very similar in those industries, and that's why it is very specific for those industries. So any of the distributors that are going to be supplying in those industries or you are going to be trade contractor, that's where you are going to find a lot of value in this specific solution. So it says at one point of time, this software was called uh, Intuit uh, Eclipse. And, and by the way, QuickBooks, Intuit Company, tried to get into the ERP market. They moved away, I guess. So they had this company for some time, and then they became consumerized. And so then they probably understood their market that their market wasn't in the ERP and they are more of the accounting solution. So, good for them. They did the right thing. And by the way, this is another tricky part. So, they are trying to sell it as no, which is mind blowing to be honest. Because when you look at NoSQL, you are going to feel that this is the technology of 2050. Okay. <laughs> but here, this is pre SQL, guys. You know, this is really that file based technology that's super basic. They should not be calling it as NoSQL So Both of them are NoSQL. But today's NoSQL databases, for example, let's say if you talk about GraphQL uh, or you talk about MongoDB, they have far more integrity build because they have the database engine that is provided to you as part of the database layer as opposed to simply saying, okay, I have got a, directly on my OneDrive and I'm going to correlation based on the program that I uh, wrote. In. So those two are <laughs> two different things. So, but I mean, they are, both of them are being marketed as NoSQL, which is just mind blowing for me. So here, database from Rocket U2, and uh, I think U2 stands for something we are going to look into that. I do have a slide that talks about that, but again, that talks about, you know, how outdated this particular technology is. The most fascinating part, part for me is going to be. They still have 4,500 distributors using this solution as of today, which is just fascinating. And again, it's because of that ecosystem, the trade functionality that they are going to have uh, as part of this solution. That's what is driving that loyalty. So, This obviously has been there for a long time in the market. The last stable release that they had was four years ago. So they have not released anything, you know, major releases in last four years. So you might guess that, you know what, they are trying to probably sunset the product. And their goal, obviously, is going to be to move these customers to Profit21. And hopefully, one of the resellers can build the functionality that exists in this product, but that's not happening. And that's probably the challenge for Epicor as well, (laughs) how to move these customers. And that's probably the reason why they are not releasing any sort of updated functionality, because it's going to be really hard to find the talent to support the outdated functionality, that's also a problem. It's not just the the, the technology that is outdated. It's probably more expensive for Epicor. It's going to be more expensive even for customers. Here, have some more details about their free. The interesting detail for me is going to be that whole Java-based client that they have created, and it's going to come across as if you are hooking up a client that you might be using. For example, let's say if you look at ECC product from SAP. And people talk about how legacy that is. But this is probably going to be older technology than your SAP ECC. Uh, in this particular case, what they have done is they have literally hooked up your Java client to your mainframe technology and database did not change. The And so customers are never going to feel that, you know what? they are going to feel okay i am looking at fancy ui sure this is not going to be cloud native but at least i have some way of interacting with it so it's going to be very hard for them to be able to differentiate between your kinetic or profit 21 or eclipse but underlying database is where the real trick is in any erp system that's how that's what drives whether you are going to get any sort of preferential integrity problem from the technical perspective and how much maintenance any any product is going to require over the over the period of- so that is something only the technical people would know who understand these technology at a much deeper level. But as of this moment, I don't know why you will be buying Eclipse unless you cannot find anything else in the market that can support uh, for your industry. If I'm yeah, putting yeah. my own personal money, I will be probably putting on newer solutions and probably building on top of them. That's going to be far more affordable than doing that.
4: I, I would assume um, they've probably got a very loyal customer base, and they probably don't care about upgrades. You know, even though it's going to be forced to eventually with technology, but you know, if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it.
2: The challenge, Andy, is upgrade to what? You know, that's where I think the customers are going to struggle as well. Am I going to get the same functionality that I have as of today? And that is going to be integration with with those trade forums. And we are going to discuss the specifics of where it gets super specific. Okay, so if they have to develop this on top of, let's say, a command account suite, they are looking at a lot of money uh, to be able to develop this functionality. And I don't know if. Any of the bars are going to be as reliable as this product, which has been working in this industry for a very long time. And obviously, it's being updated with those trade codes and the product codes, etc. So that's where the real uh, trick is in, in, in with this product. OK, so some more details here. So here, this is the detail about the technology. So here they are saying files are similar to tables in relational database in that each file has a unique name to distinguish it from other files and zero to multiple unique records that are logically related to each other so in the pre-sql era the way you related your record you are going to be naming the file for example let's say if you are trying to correlate two files you are going to have very codified way of naming your files that's how you did it in the pre-sql era okay so p means fill d means dave d underscore something something and i am going to be writing a program that, that is going to be reading my file so that's how you sort of related that okay phil and and dave are related some, okay you didn't really have the, the, the technology to be able to support those correlations so and, and again they are calling it no this is Nowhere close to SQL technology uh, that we have as of today. Here they are saying files are made of two parts. One is going to be data file. The second is going to be file dictionary. That's very common even in in the case of database technology. But again, they are far deeper overall the way they work in facilitating the transactions. Uh, When you talk about that whole uh, two-phase commit protocol concept, that's very deep the way it is implemented in the database work. Then they are saying non hashed files are used to store data with little or no logical structure such as program source code, XML plain text, some more details about technology. Then they are saying files are made of records which are similar to rows within tables of a relational database. These record IDs are typically hashed so that data can be retrieved quickly and efficiently. And when they are saying hashed, that's the indexing strategy that we have even in the case of database. But again, when you index, you are indexing a record. You are not really indexing the ID. So here, sure, they have some way of doing the indexing, but that's a very, very, very basic way of implementing that. The other challenge that they have is there is no binary data stored in YouTube. So binary would mean, let's say, if you look at today's ERP systems. So this is the problem that we probably saw in some of the other ERP systems. For example, let's say if you look at ProSharp. Okay, we saw that they were storing files on somebody's desktop when they were doing that. And that's a very basic way of, again, implementing the technology because your database may not support a blob. And typically blob is going to be, let's say, if you have a binary object, for example, your any sort of image file or the video or the records or the, the, the whole form itself. Let's say if you want to store that inside your database for that you require some sort of binary storage this database didn't support because they didn't have as much processing power back then to be able to handle those kind of objects so they had to go really basic in terms of what they could do they could support here is the example of the string guys again you Dave, you can probably write this database as of today okay <laughs> it's that easy it's literally separating the string with let's say one sort of delimiter and you know parsing that it's super easy you can program this inside excel as of today this is the detail about this is how they sort of did they did the outer join so they had a way of doing the bracket in a string and bracket means outer join that's how they sort of correlated the the records so again this is where your business information is living this is where your accounting information is living can you believe this guys you don't know this because the only thing you are seeing is
3: I mean, this is really unbelievable as you start to pack it. I mean, to your to your point, Sam, like, you know, yeah, when I learned programming, I'd do it with all flat files <laughs> until I learned SQL. <laughs> it's just it's it's truly amazing though that uh a platform, I mean, albeit been around for a long time, is still surviving on this type of infrastructure. I mean, it's really it's really scary if people we're able to unpack this and really fully understand it i think there'd be a lot more people looking for uh, new solutions
2: exactly okay guys so sometimes it is extremely difficult for me as well to be able to find this okay because i am looking at the pretty screen and all the pretty screens are probably going to look very similar now, they have fancy colors uh, <laughs> you know so it's very 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 hard to find okay what is underneath in this particular case i had to literally go and find okay when i saw that each term okay in their demos They were going sort of back and forth between each term. And I was like, okay, what the hell is going on here? Why are they going in those green screens? And they are going in green screens because they are trying to connect this client. And they have figured out somehow, you know, a way of porting and integrating with the core mainframe technology. But your underlying database is still very main. Okay, so here you have a fancy UI. This is just the UI. Okay, that's how they have created this. But this is no different than your AS4 uh, from the technology architecture. OK, so here are some of the limitations that you are going to get based on this technology. So some of the things that you are probably going to notice is going to be the way the information is entered. So obviously you need to remember a lot of different codes because they cannot do the deep computation that your newer technologies are going to be able to do it here. Uh, you know, the way they are going to be entering data. You need to remember a lot of different. So that's where the the, the real trick is in understanding whether the technology is going to be legacy or it is going to be slightly newer. But and the layers of information that a program can support, that's going to be fairly limited as well. And that's why you are probably not going to see as many tabs. They are going to flatten the architecture because you can have only so many brackets (laughs) <laughs> the way you are going to be correlating your data. <laughs> After that, it's going to be super confusing for a human brain, I guess. So that's why they cannot really support those layered hierarchy. So they had to, uh, you know, flatten the data. And by the way, this is coming from 2019, so this is a very recent, uh, you know, screenshot that the, these guys were using this uh, in 2019. So I don't think there are any changes because we know that the last stable release was four years back. So yeah. So whatever we are seeing in the demo screenshot it's probably going to be fairly similar as of today as well. So this is where you are going to be entering a lot of different cost codes. So typically, let's say if you look at modern ERP systems, you don't really enter cost codes, okay? The costing is going to be automated. The only thing that you are going to be entering on your screen for the purchase order to be able to compute the costing is probably going to be your SKU number. The only thing you need to, and you don't even have to remember is, okay, you can literally enter some sort of, you know, whatever you remember from the part, you simply enter that and everything else is going to be automated. But here we are looking at real train issues. Okay, so now you need to train these people. And sometimes it's very hard to forget your old habits because now these people were actually so used to of entering these codes because number one, you need to remember these codes from your trade association perspective because you need to remember all of those SKU numbers and then you need to remember these cost codes as well. So number one, it's very hard to sort of retrain them in the newer ways of doing things that now you are clicking, you don't have to remember all of these codes. And even if they were implementing (laughs) the newer products, they will probably like to get the similar experience. Okay, I enter code this way. (laughs) How can I enter those codes right now in your system? If your system doesn't do that, I don't like it. So that's the argument that most users are going to make just because they are so used to of using the, the outdated technology.
0: Well, Sam, on a related point too, you, when you have people that have all the cost codes memori- memorized, all the unique SKUs and definitions memorized, that is a value proposition for that employee. And when you go to that employee and say, we're going to have a system where we don't <laughs> need that, the adoption of that by those employees is very difficult. Because all of a sudden, they don't need somebody that's got 20 years of memorizing all this stuff and knows it, who can run the system. And there's a lot of pushback that happens in an organization from a change management.
2: Exactly. And these are the political issues, right, Phil? It's very, very, very hard to beat them. I mean, you really need to go out of your way as a leader to be able to train them, to make them understand what they are going to get in the new system. To be able to promote something that is really going to change their lives um, you know in this particular case if you actually adopt new new technology that's actually going to be better for everybody but they just are afraid of that
0: well and, and report writing and data wrangling are two other areas where you're going to have a you're going to have some people with a lot of cardinal knowledge on how to do things yep. and it won't be long into your new year erp, ERP journey where they're going to go well wait a second why do you need me then, <laughs> and, then <laughs> and it's a real
2: issue yep i agree All right, guys. So here again, if you are in the demo and if you want to understand whether any of these systems are using the outdated technology, this is where you are going to find. So here on the screen, you are going to look at, okay, which is the terminal that you are going to be connecting, Okay, which is the location that you are going to be connecting. in. that's where you are going to find these things. So as you can see, this is the ID for that screen. So each terminal is allocated the ID. And then your UI is trying to connect to that. That's how they have sort of integrated. And I don't know how bad the integration is, to be honest. They might be screen scraping, who knows, in the background. (laughs) <laughs> okay so I don't know what they are doing to be able to enable this technology but you don't see it just because you don't okay so they have tried to replicate a lot of different feature sets here so you are going to get multiple branches multiple territories as part of your technology obviously this is not going to be multi-entity but it is going to be supporting all of those retail locations that you might have as the electrical HVAC contractor so it is really designed for those multiple locations each location is going to be connected with one terminal that's how they have structured their multi-entity functionality (laughs) but again multi-entity functionality could mean a lot of different. okay so this is where the new style solar interface is what they are calling but again in this particular case as well this is still getting connected to the same legacy interface from the user's perspective you might feel that you know what Acumatic and Eclipse are similar uh, because you as a user are doing similar things, but you just don't know what is underneath. And there are going to be significant implications that you won't know unless there is an expert who can tell you how these things really work in the background to be able to find out. Now, this is a very interesting pattern that I have seen in this particular industry. And these are the feature sets that I am talking about. They only exist in the case of your AS400. As well as eclipse these are the only two systems that i have so it's called generation number okay so the generation number fill has its own life cycle the way it works okay and this is not the only industry where i've seen this some other industries for example let's say if you go for these design packaging shops they also seem to have the the similar requirements and they feel that the vanilla erp systems don't really work for them so the way this piece of functionality works is they are going to have let's say the contract with their customers and then after you have the contract so you don't really ship the inventory right away they are going to have some sort of release or the generation and each of those releases are going to have its own life cycle so your contract has life cycle then your sales order has life cycle and then each of the release is going to have its own life so that's where the real challenge is overall in implementing this functionality in the vanilla ERP system because when you get into those one-to-n issues, so here we are looking at another layer of hierarchy on top of your existing sales order, on top of your existing contracts. so that's where the real track is. They have implemented this using these codes that are going to be part of your sales order. So each sales order is going to go through 001, 003, so that's their life cycle. Now, can you replicate this in the vanilla ERP system? Probably, probably not. I don't know, okay? But that's a very primitive way of doing things and implementing the whole object hierarchy. This is the business object that they have requirement for, and most of the standard ERP systems cannot support this functionality. And that's why the HVAC distributor, electrical distributor, they are probably not going to like the standard of the shelf here.
3: Hey, Sam, could, couldn't you replicate something like that with like lot traceability or, you know, bills released? Sales orders within a, a different ERP uh, solution.
2: So these guys are actually going to have the lot tracking as well. So I think they do require that. Okay, but I. So that's think another
3: if, that's another layer in there then.
2: That's another layer that has very different life cycle than what these guys. So yeah. lot tracking has its own life cycle and it has its own functionality the way it works uh, the way it interacts with different objects. This is a very different life cycle that needs to be implemented with a either the custom object or another layer that you need to implement on top of your Manila ERP system. One thing that I am personally not I just I have not had enough experience in this particular space to be able to figure out whether this is really a process issue or it is going to be a, a you know system issue. In my mind, I still believe that this is probably a process. So you can implement this using your blanket orders and you know doing the sales order functionality the way you would do the blanket order functionality in my mind this is still a very blanket order functionality but when i look at the the life cycle the way life cycle works for the generation number it gets a little deeper to me okay so it's frightening for me as well <laughs> to be able to recommend okay maybe you can do it using blanket order but then you might run out of the option and that's probably why people still implement Something like Eclipse as opposed to be blanket. Yeah,
0: yeah and, it would be and,
2: and for the, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, David. No,
0: no, go ahead, Phil. And and you know, you're you are into some some higher end enterprise system to be able to get an a complex allocation process, a complex uh specialist process, and on top of that a lot process. You do know, you'd almost have to if I'm understanding this functionality, you'd almost you'd almost have to access a piece of all of those things to get close to repeating this. And so you're buying a pretty high-end enterprise system, and you're doing a lot of configuration to
2: accomplish it, even to get
0: close, if I understand what this is. So, it is unique, Sam, no doubt.
2: So, Phil, even if you go for the enterprise systems, my understanding is going to be that, number one, it's not going to work for these industries. Okay? And number two, even if it works, then you are going to be requiring a lot more, so you can customize whatever. I mean, it doesn't matter. If you are using, you can customize any ERP system, okay? But in this particular case, if you have to replicate this, regardless of the system, regardless of how large it is, I don't think SAP is going to be able to support, or Microsoft is going to be able to support, because this is a very unique piece of functionality.
0: Yeah, I think I think to to David's point, I think you could kind of get close to a business process, but you're not going to you're not going to do the same thing. And and uh, uh, I was uh, I was with a purchasing person at a large just wholesale distributor, and they were looking at ERP. This was a, about a year and a half ago. And and I was sitting at his screen, at the purchase, the vice president purchasing screen, looking at what he was doing on their homegrown system. And this is just one piece of the puzzle. I, I will tell you, they really do some unique things. It's amazing. and And they ultimately decided to custom build their own system themselves in order to get the functionality at the one. And they looked at, they looked at these guys, they looked at all the other systems, and it still didn't give them enough, enough uniqueness for what they really wanted. Yep. Dave, you had a comment?
3: No, I was just going to, just going to say kind of, you know, tying both of those points together. It really would be fascinating from a process perspective to dig into it, to see what they're doing, what that functionality really brings to them from the process perspective to see if it, if it, you know, back to your point, Sam, if it is a process issue or or a systemization uh you know a system issue something that that for whatever reason needs that uh deep of functionality so i've seen some pretty amazing things with some blanket orders and and, and other things like that so yeah that was it
2: yeah and you know the way i have seen these industries to be honest they have a very manual way of doing this so even if they are going to be using even these systems for example let's say they are going to be using as 400 or apico eclipse even with them, they are going to be doing sort of the trial and error and back end. Okay, the way it works is they don't really have. So, for example, when they are going to get released for an existing contract or the order, they are probably going to be deleting some lines from the sales order or they are going to be deleting the sales order. So, there are no clear rules in terms of how they are going to be operating. They use a lot of manual judgment when they get released. Okay, what do I do next? Shall I tell the sales order, create another one? So, obviously, your data is going to be all over the place. Okay when <laughs> you are going to do that but they don't really have very standard way of operating so again i am not too sure if this is just a process issue system issue or combination of both my suspicion is going to be probably combination of both
0: and i think it's also the way we always done it issue guys that exactly cultural. these these are still even the very large ones are still family businesses there's there's still the patriarch sitting in his in his office who's and, and the kids are in the business and the private equity has begun to come into this space, but it still is heavily traditional businesses. And they've always done things the way they've always done things. And they've been very successful. It's hard to get it's hard to get process change in that culture.
2: It just takes a lot of work. Exactly. I could not agree more. So we are going to look at some more crazy things here. So here, uh, you know, they have another piece of functionality, which is called, you know, all transaction numbers start with a letter P S P and these PST are different order types. So they are going to have a letter in front of it. Obviously, you need to remember all of that. But along with that, it drives this life cycle. The whole generation number functionality is the way it works, and it's going to be part of your order type. So you have tight coupling between your order type uh, with a letter that you are using in your uh, SKU, and then not SKU, in your order number, and then you have the generation number as well uh, as part of that. And they are saying an unprocessed group of metal is called a segment, which is a very unique term uh, that is only used in this industry. A processed group is called a generation and generation is zero zero one. Then you have multiple segments. So, again, it's very, very unique the way this process is. Again, my uh, I am. I need to put a lot more work in this industry to be able to figure out if there is a way to implement this in the standard grp system but for now i don't know if i have any answers it's very new now the next thing that we have is going to be bits now bits is very common as well and they are very unique the way bits work in this industry so you have the flavors of construction manufacturing you have flavors of your distribution so it's sort of all over the place the way Bits work in this industry and by the way there is another very unique element okay you are going to have multiple customers per bed that we are going to see on the next okay that's very unique so you typically when you are going to be creating a job a job is going to be probably for just one customer you never have sort of two customers but in their case they have two customers so the whole data model is completely different and that's the unique part about this these are the codes that we were talking about and this is the organization called consolidated supply And consolidated supply is the organization that publishes all of these standards for these Q codes, the way you are going to be communicating with them. Obviously, you need to communicate with them. They are going to have their own. I don't know if they have sort of union rules for which you need to communicate with them. But they are the ones who are actually publishing, let's say the price line. uh, They are publishing your your codes. So everything that goes in your house. That has to be certified by the city so i don't know if there is going to be government involvement there but this whole space is very regulated and that's what makes it very unique uh, overall from the solution perspective and these guys are trying to maintain these codes right inside erp system so as long as you understand the city codes you come to your erp system it's going to feel same it's not going to be different experience whatever you studied in a class as your electrical or plumber (laughs) <laughs> now you are finding the similar experience here uh, based on the same codes. And you know, whenever they are going to change anything, that's going to be reflected as part of your, that's where the real difference. Now, here are some more interesting things that we have as part of this. So the other thing that I found is the signature functionality. Now in this particular case, signature is not probably important to be honest, okay? Because you are literally walking in a store, you are a contractor, you are buying things. Signature don't really have any use afterwards. In the business why they are taking the signature but it's probably a legacy process let's say tomorrow you come and you uh, you know uh, you come to my store and mention that i never bought it so then you have to show some sort of proof so that's probably the reason why they are doing the proof of delivery uh, they have similar functionality as for delivery, but the difference is here you are not really shipping it to someone online in this particular case the con- contractor is walking to your store they are getting stuff and after that you know, I don't know if they are going to be on credit or not, but that's a very, very, very uh, similar B2B workflow that you are going to find in the B2B distribution space. But they have to sign the way you would sign, let's say, in the case of construction uh, or the similar space. So, But they are calling it pr- is, is as proof of delivery, which is not proof of delivery, to be honest. OK, it's uh, slightly different. Then you have the RootView fleet management software. So they have a lot of requirements of the fleet management as well because they are supplying locally to many different facilities. So that's going to be a very similar experience as your field service, but field service is, is very different. This is very, very, very last mile. The way last mile works is probably going to be similar to this, um, you know, the way last mile companies. Now, this is a very, very interesting part, okay? So this is coming from Epicor documentation. So now we all know that we don't have SQL as part of our database, but now if companies want SQL application, they can actually translate that information in SQL. So, which is going to be mind-blowing because customers are going to think that maybe they are doing just the SQL replication. Maybe the database is SQL, but you can actually take really bad data and convert that into SQL. (laughs) So that's what they are doing so that new developers can really look into the SQL database. They don't have to look at mainframe. They don't have to learn mainframe. That's why they are doing SQL replication. So think of the innovation that you have to do on a piece of outdated technology to be able to support the newer developers or the newer habits, uh, because you might not find newer developers who can operate on your mainframe database. So uh, Epicore has done a wonderful job in enabling everything that you can possible on the outdated technology, except replacing it.
3: Hey, Sam, I'm curious oh, on, on that piece in particular, is that if it's been implemented, is that like a, uh, from uh, like a moving forward? technology, or do they have a process as part of that replication to go back and recreate the data that's already been written uh, through all of those flat files and and through the mainframe infrastructure?
2: So this is just a backup, okay? So the only reason why they are doing replication is they are trying to convert your legacy data to your whole data. Let's say if you want to do any sort of report on it, okay? If you are going to be doing this inside your transactional data, that's the most difficult part because you are actually trying to repair the home that you are living in. Okay, but let's say if you are trying to create something similar that you can relate with, that's a different story. So in this particular case, the only reason why they are doing the SQL application is to support those developers who might be familiar with SQL. So that's why they have to convert the SQL uh, legacy uh, data into your SQL database. Now, the catch here is going to be obviously it's never going to be one to one. Okay, you are going to have issues if it were that easy, then you can probably change. Your legacy structured to SQL, but Epicor didn't do that, right? The, so you are going to get a lot of different issues that you will never come to know, okay? <laughs> because the it's never going to be one-to-one. You are going to have problems, and you are never going to get answers for them.
3: That was really my question. I mean, so thanks for digging into that because that that that's really what you know where I think a lot of people's mind would go is if it's if it's as simple as they make it sound on here. Why not just convert it and and shore up the infrastructure? Exactly. And I'm the non-technical
0: guy on this on this show, and that didn't make sense to me when I read it. So
2: <laughs> it just didn't seem right. Yeah, but you have to be really creative when you are supporting the the legacy technology. So kudos to Epicore that they have done a marvelous job in doing that. Um, so here, some more commentary here. So they are saying Eclipse Application Programming Interface provides a full .NET for SQL equivalent. Now that's very misleading to us. Okay, that delivers REST endpoints. Now that's even misleading. Okay, so you are saying I'm going to be connecting all of these rest endpoints on a very clunky level. Okay, so now what are customers going to think that are not going to have anything? They are going to think that I'm buying a modern thing. But this is very misleading. This is a pure lie in my mind. The Apicor Eclipse API is a powerful web services tool that can help connect your business uh, to the world. Sure, on the face, it's going to be an API that you are connecting in a space what what do you have underneath is not really uh, you know restified it's 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 really concrete api api also provides a new middle layer that exposes data to the other application in a high-performing st- stack while protecting the integrity of the ah i'm not too sure about that yeah I, i'm not i'm not too sure about that then um uh, they have some more things here job including bidding bill of materials submittal tracking releasing material customer billing change orders returns so obviously they have very unique functionality even for the job management that they require then they have the johnstone uh that you mentioned i think out of 4500 they are probably going to have a lot of distributors that are going to be part of that ecosystem and apicor is very tight in that ecosystem so here and obviously i think i saw a comment somewhere where this ecosystem is actually trying to promote apicor a lot so obviously you have a little play there it says the johnstone Suite is a collection of features designed specifically for Johnstone distributors. Yeah, so you are going to get very specific for that specific equal. Uh,
0: yeah, with the Johnstone, think think in the in the HVAC and other trades distribution industries. That that was the Amazon before Amazon. I mean, they without without the internet, that, they were you got you were trying to get your product there or trying to get uh, or or buying from there because they were giving you the best prices, the best availability, and they were everywhere. It's a massive, good good company too, by the way. Exactly, exactly.
2: Here, uh, now, this is the comment that I was talking about, guys, relating job with multiple customers. I have not seen any ERP system that can, including the enterprise one, okay? So now that's a very specific functionality. Here, it says job management allows you to associate multiple with a job, which is very unique. So bid request from different contractors may contain different counts. And this is where the construction gets really tricky. The construction contracting space, they get really tricky in the way their business objects are structured.
0: So it's very unique. Sam, on that point, it's it's the other reason or one of the reasons they have those codes is because by having standardized codes, these bid processes... Can 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 all be basically working off of a similar bomb or a similar bill or a similar bid, and they can all be moving the stuff around, making changes and everything, and not having to maintain it because they put the code in there, and everybody knows it's that T or it's that piece of of equipment that's being put that's being bid and sold.
2: Exactly, it's the language of that industry. <laughs> you need to be speaking the same language, otherwise you cannot work together. So yeah, great point. Okay, so we have some more insights here. Again, the overall functionality is very unique. They have activity based costing, which you can find in the enterprise based system. Let's say if you go for SysPro or SAP, they are probably going to have that. That's probably a very distribution centric functionality, but they have a lot of different layers. For example, rentals. Rentals is very unique. Rentals you are not going to find in min market uh, ecosystems or uh, ERP systems. So they have that as well. Okay, so let's look at some of the reviews. And it says that Almost as simple as a Windows-based system to use, but not quite. So people sort of, you know, get the feeling that there is something off about it. They cannot really point out what is really off. So this is where the users are going to be. That's going to be their position because they just don't have enough technology background to be able to pinpoint, okay, what's off? Why is it not feeling natural when I use a Windows application uh, versus this? So that's where their positioning is going to be. Then I personally like the fact that you can't toggle between screens. So these are some of the nuances that you are going to get that you cannot really toggle. You cannot do multiple tabs. <laughs> that's what a lot of other companies are trying to do as well. They are simply trying to find the shortcuts so that they can sell their legacy technology on the newer interface. And that's where the user experience is you know, super relevant uh, that these companies are trying. What here, the direct through stock function is very difficult to use and needs some work. Now that's a very unique functionality. And I don't know if, Phil, you have seen it anywhere because you have far more experience in this industry. So it's called direct through stock. It's called DTS functionality. Very unique.
0: Yeah, I, I I could give you a couple minutes on that, but we're down to four. But yeah, it's a uni- it's a unique way that you can that you can aim that product where it needs to be aimed at.
2: Yeah. So again, I think the overarching theme here that I'm getting and I'm actually going to open up for the commentary now because we are running out of time.
0: You had it in a couple of the later uh, comments, and I also saw it online in several places, Sam. Just that since they've, you know, they relocated customer service, they there's, there's a lot of conversation in what you had later on the deck and online that that they've lost, they've lost their way a little bit on being really having, you know, the type of support that some of their customers are suspecting. I don't think that was a one-off comment.
4: It'd be interesting to know what their run rate is. I'll bet they're not getting a lot of new customers, but they're probably losing some. Yeah, without
0: the investment in upgrades, and, and I agree with the comment that people may, you know, with a legacy system may not be hammering for upgrades, but you still can't stop investing in
4: your product. <laughs> well, you know technology is going to catch catch up to you eventually, right? Microsoft is going to upgrade, or somebody's going to upgrade, and all of a sudden your systems won't work anymore.
3: Well, that that was kind of my, you know, early concern looking at is, you know, what's the end of life for the, the underlying technology, and where does that leave you from a uh, critical function standpoint in your business I mean if you you know if you can't write up orders and you can't generate invoices you got some big problems to deal with <laughs> there's no quick fix for that when your system goes down due to a you know kind of end of life or, or some sort of a catastrophic issue like that I mean it it, it reminds me of my you know, my first ERP implementation where I was worried about a lightning strike taking out our last tape backup. <laughs> it's like <laughs> what are you gonna that do? We can't write orders game. up. We can't we can't bill anybody if we don't have, you know, a system to do that on. Yeah, I mean it's it's a
0: it's a it's a tough space. You got high velocity, you got tight margins, and you got and and you got to compete. And and the online places are taking chunks of this business away. And Amazon is very clever. They they know they know from their ecosystem what the margins distributors are making. And they're going after their good margin stuff and picking them with that by targeting their customers and going after good margin stuff. So they to have old technology behind this, I just I just don't think this industry can sit by and allow that. They have to find another partner that's going to invest in something that's going to be more state of the art for them. If if they're going to, if they're going to continue to you know to to have that type of presence in these trade markets, and I agree with you, Sam. There's a lot of uniqueness here, but none of it is magical either. See, so if someone someone who's in those trade business and knows IT could could absolutely build and produce product that was for that end.
2: Uh, any other short comments, guys? Interesting
0: one, very interesting <laughs> yeah. one today. And and I wish they I wish they wouldn't exaggerate. I mean, I think that's that's as direct of a comment as you made in one of these, that they're literally not saying something that's true in their own documentation.
2: If anybody out there is listening, cut that out. You guys, it doesn't do anybody. Exactly, guys. Great commentary. And uh, that's a wrap, guys. And, uh, you know, my personal recommendation is going to be if you are in this industry, definitely look at your processes and how other industries operate and spend a lot more time in the business re-engineering. And if you spend that and then find a generalized solution, that is going to probably work in this industry and that's probably going to give you far more mileage in the years to come because obviously this solution is not going to last for let's say i don't know five ten years Uh, This is definitely uh, going to be sunset, but, uh, you know, we just don't know when. So make sure you guys are going to pay a lot more attention to doing your processing the way other industries are off. On that note, that's it for today. If you join, this was part of our industry series for which we meet every Tuesday at 5.30 Eastern. We pick one vendor or the solution that we review independently. So make sure you guys are going to be here next week. We are going to come back with another vendor or the solution. On that note, thanks, everyone, for your time. And insight tonight. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Thanks, man. Man. Thanks, guys. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests, and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Dave Chrysler, head over to the thechrysler.club. It's T-H-E-C-R-Y-S-L-E-R dot C-L-U-B. If you want to learn more about Andy fatico head over to com. It's E-S-S-O-F-T dot com. If you want to learn more about Phil Kirper, head over to ringlingbusinesssolutions.com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Phil Kirper, who shares his insights into executing on DTC strategy. Also, the interview with Daniel Engelbreaston, who shares his insights into the demand generation strategies for new product development. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you and I hope to get you on the next episode. Of the WBS
1: Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.